Hi folks, Tilly here. Before we get into today's episode, I need to talk about the response to Trans Voices 1 gendering, episode 45 of this show that came out last week. Because what became readily apparent is that there are a whole lot of unqualified individuals offering quote-unquote trans voice services, despite not remotely being qualified to do so. This came up after the release of last week's episode, so it wasn't in this episode that you're about to hear because I didn't realize that this was as big of an issue as it is. In the coming episode, I'll talk a bit about the prevalence of YouTube tutorials on voice training, which are almost universally also from people not qualified to be providing that training. And listen, people want to help. I understand that. I do too. But my method of helping is to talk about my own experiences with it, and you can see right in last week's episode, I made it abundantly clear. I am not a speech-language pathologist. I'm not going to offer to coach you in it because I am not remotely qualified to do so. And almost nobody offering tips or classes or quote-unquote coaching is either, but they largely don't bother to tell anyone that. And I don't know if that's because they're being exploitative or if they just genuinely don't know. Someone having degrees in music theory or who offers singing lessons are also not qualified to provide gender-affirming voice therapy nor are those who coach in how to do accents for voice acting. Are you going to do that accent every time you speak for the rest of your life? No. Are you going to sing everything you say for the rest of your life? No. This is what I think people don't understand. In gender-affirming voice therapy, you are using muscles you've never used before or used in this way before, and you have to build up strength in them and do it safely because you are literally changing the way your muscles and parts of your body work. When you need to do that for any other muscle or part of your body, do you go to someone who seems fit and sporty, or do you go to a trained physical therapist? When you can't see well, do you go to your friend with 20-20 vision, or do you go to an optometrist? When you have a cavity, do you go to your friend with good teeth and a drill at home, or do you go to a dentist? When you need gender confirmation surgery, do you go to a friend who had it? Would you even go to someone who specializes in open heart surgery? Of course not. You'd go to a surgeon who is trained and specializes in the care you need. Voice is no different. You are changing the way your body functions and you have got to be careful with what you do and who you listen to. If you do the wrong things, you could end up damaging your voice. And then you'll need voice therapy to try and fix the damage before you can even get to gender-affirming training. Trans people don't generally have much money, believe me, I know. Gender-affirming voice training with a speech pathologist is not covered by all insurance and may be unaffordable without. So we have to do what we can on our own. But you can get tips from speech pathologists. You can listen to the experts and not just someone who's done it before or who knows a lot about music. Before you pay someone hundreds or thousands of dollars, please check their credentials. Find someone who is qualified to give you safe and effective care. Speech-language pathologists are medical professionals. Find one trained in gender-affirming care if you can. Singing, accents, music theory are not the same thing. This is your body, and you'd go to an expert to fix any other part of it voice is no different. So please, please, please be careful. Be safe. I don't want you to get hurt. All right, 
On with this week's episode. Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This is the second part of our discussion of the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Welcome to Voice 2, Hearing the True You, a.k.a. I graduated from voice therapy. Oh no, what does that mean? Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the siren whose call I cannot resist, <laughs> Susan Bridges. Hello. I like a siren. Sirens are evil, right? I They could be good <laughs> if they want, I suppose. Let's not cast aspersion upon sirens. All right. All right. Maybe they're misunderstood. That's right. Our returning guest is Jillian Morgan, the sound editor for Tilly's Trains Tuesdays and the director of the Kingery for Pendant Audio, as well as being a voice actress. She has been happily married to the world's most supportive wife for 21 years and is the mom of two fur babies. She left the world of sports radio after 25 years to find her true self and couldn't be happier. She recently completed her bachelor's degree in theater after a very extended break and is in the process of applying to graduate school. She delights in all things nerdy and particularly enjoys the parts of this podcast that the rest of this world will still never hear, but are still nonetheless hilarious. Welcome back, Jillian. Hello, hello. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, so I know it's only been not quite a year since you were last on, but that's mm -hmm. still a long time and things yes. can change a lot, especially in the first few years. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, how has your transition gone over 2023? What's changed? Have there been any surprises? Overall, I, I feel like it's going great. I just passed two years on hormones. So Congratulations. That, that's a big landmark right there. But it's just, I have really become a lot more comfortable, not just with, you know, the whole being trans things, but with my trans identity. Yeah. As I figured out over, especially the past few months, you know, I'm not, I'm not a girly girl. You know, it's okay if I'm a little butch, you know? That's right. And, and that's why my hair is now a lot shorter than it used to be. But oh. yeah, it's one of those things that it takes a while to find your style and yep. your your place in the great big rainbow that is transness. And I feel like I'm just starting to really get my feel my feet planted firmly on the ground as far as, you know, where I want to go from here. Yeah, it's it does definitely takes a while. Like as you mentioned, uh, finding your style. We did a whole mm -hmm. uh, episode about that and how long it took me to figure that out. And I think it was the second year where I experienced the biggest changes, both physically and mentally. And mm -hmm. that that's the year where selfies suddenly started clicking for me. I didn't get yes. dysphoria from photos anymore, and I see myself in the mirror all the time, every day. 
And that, that happened like midway through year two. And it was the most surprising thing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that, you know, that that holds true for everybody because hormones affect us all so differently. And there's definitely also something to just giving yourself that time to get comfortable with who you are. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I first began transition, I was so nervous about everything. I wasn't sure if they were the right things. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if I was being trans right. You know, all of those those weird little things that nag at you. And over time, those slowly start to melt away. You know, when you, you get more comfortable, you're able to just be, you know, more often. And, and like you said, mm-hmm. you know, trans women can be butch if they want. That's yeah. totally cool. You don't have to be femme. You can be any way you want to be. So I'm really happy that, that you're settling in. Yeah, and you mentioned the physical changes, and those are those are definitely happening a lot more now. Thelma and yeah. Louise are doing quite nicely, thank you. <laughs> Thelma and Louise, okay. I hope they don't drive <laughs> off a cliff, though. You want to keep them. Uh, yeah, that's true. I want to keep them. But yeah, I mean, one thing for me that's helped a lot is I have gotten to know a lot more trans and gender nonconforming people in general yeah. over the past year, year and a half or so. So I have a, a much wider range of people to look at and say, okay, this is how they're doing it. I like that part of what they're doing and that part of what she's doing and that part of what she's doing. And you you can kind of, it gives you more of an opportunity to share those experiences too. Because yeah. my first, my first year, especially because I spent so much of that first year closeted because I still was not at work or anything like that. It right. was very, it was very difficult to really find myself and, you know, you're still waiting for, for things to happen physically that, you know, take a while because we have to have patience in this. Yeah. But, you know, now that I'm open and out, not just, you know, trans people, although they've been a huge help, but even other women who are allies, you know, have, you know, given me advice, you know, on sure. especially things like clothing and whatever. And so that's that's been a really, really wonderful thing as far as that goes because I, I, I don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really important. Yeah. And especially for, for those of us who, who came out during the pandemic, yep. especially early on in your case and a little later in mine, but still that was very, very difficult at first because you just, you, you had the close circle of people that you knew and well, if you didn't have any trans people in that circle, so sad, you're bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely rough. And like even now, I like there are mm-hmm. some local trans people that mm-hmm. I know and I'm friends with and they're lovely. Mm-hmm. But also, I think still most of my interaction with the community mm-hmm. comes online. I mean, right. through this podcast, through my Trans Tuesdays and other social media. And that's that's, you know, it's not the same as in-person community, but it's right. I think just as important in its own way. And we learn so much from each other. And and I really like that you said that, you know, you you could see other trans women and be like oh i like this thing that she did and mm-hmm. i like this thing that that other translated did. maybe i could use something like that or incorporate mm-hmm. that somehow and i think that that really helps too it's really important because it's like just what seeing other trans women posting their selfies before i came out gave me so much confidence that i could do it too and so when you see other people doing something that is maybe like being slightly more butch as a trans woman or something mm-hmm. and you're like oh wait i could do that too you know, if you can uh-huh. see it, you can be it. And it helps in so many ways, even even all these little ways. And so I think that's really, really cool and really important for a lot of folks out there. Please find your communities. Yeah. And in one of those communities, I posted, a, I did a timeline picture from two years ago to today. And yeah. 
the comment that hit me the most was, oh, you learned how to smile. And I was like, <laughs> most yeah. Of, most of us do. I sure yeah. did. The, my my smiles the... pre-transition were very smirky and kind of half-assed, but now I actually smile. They're not wide smiles because I feel weird doing that, but it's an actual smile. The smiles in my eyes. And yeah, that's the important absolutely. thing. You know, it made me think about my own timeline photos. And like, even in the first couple, I'm not smiling, even like at the start of my transition yet. And and you can see it growing each year when I post a new one. And that is always my favorite part of every trans person timeline photos is that you can see their eyes come alive. Mm -hmm. It's the most heartwarming, beautiful thing because they're feeling okay to be themselves. They're right. happy to be themselves. You can see that joy. And I love it so much. I will never yes. get tired of it. It's fabulous. Yay, trans joy. Yay. Okay, and remind people where they can find you online if they would like to check out more Jillian after listening. You can find me on most of the social medias at Audio Jillian, Blue Sky, Twitter. Twitter is, by the way, the only thing that it is okay to dead name. And Facebook. <laughs> Correct. And Mastodon. Correct. Yeah, I'm out there. And, you know, say hello. I'm, I'm there and I'm smiling. Yeah, you should say hello because she's amazing. All right. Before we dive in today, please check out our first discussion on voice and voice therapy and all the work I've been putting in for so very long. That discussion was just last week on this very show, episode 45. I began feminizing voice therapy in November of 2020. In late August of 2022, I had my last session with my second voice therapist ever, and I received this follow-up report afterward. August 30th, 2022. Total number of visits, 28. Subjective. Patient seen for speech therapy video visit follow-up. Patient agreed to treatment. Objective. Patient average G3 in conversation, but reports that during practice, she averages A3 more often than she does not. She presented with thin vocal quality while maintaining feminine resonance in 90% of trials. Assessment, including progress towards goals. Goals met. Plan. Patient discharged from therapy. Some of the more musically minded out there may understand this better than I, but A3 is the average note I was shooting for in terms of pitch. Not that I'm speaking in a monotone, but my voice goes above and below that, and that's hopefully the center line. That's where I was at when I was discharged, and now over a year later, I find I'm at the high side of A3 on average, whereas before I was on the low side. Well, thank you. I was basically hitting that when I remembered to do all the shit I have to do, and I got discharged from voice therapy. What? And it wasn't that I needed to hit that A3 average to get discharged or anything. It was all based on me and what I was happy with. And pitch work was the very last thing I did with my voice therapist. Well, let me back up because last week I told you about the sirens and the like, which are part of pitch work. As I mentioned in the first voice topic, I had two voice therapists. The first only for a few months and she had me starting with pitch. But the second who I had for the vast bulk of my time in therapy and who I'll have that interview with next week, had me starting with everything else first and we did pitch last. And frankly, that was a much better way for me because while shifting pitch isn't what I'd call easy, it's nowhere near as difficult as everything else was. So Jillian, I wanted to ask what has been the main focus for you on your attempts to uh, change your voice? Are you concerned with pitch or inflection or the breathiness or anything else? Like what, what is the thing that, that you are most working on? Mainly for me, it's the inflection yeah. and just trying to pick up the more feminine speech patterns. 
and I don't worry as much about pitch. I mean, obviously, I've gotten higher pitched since since yeah. I started, and especially when and when singing, especially, I'm really trying to to hit those uh, those higher tenor notes that I used to be able to hit, no problem. But yeah, the, the feminine feminine feminization, just the the uh, qualities of the voice, not necessarily the the pitch so much. Just Cute. you know, it's that's been the much more important thing. I'm perfectly acceptable, you know, sounding like B. Arthur. I don't mind that necessarily. She had a fabulous voice. She did. Yes, and yeah, she was still you know an amazing, beautiful woman. And so, I that's something that for me has not been. It was more important to me, I'll say two years ago, but over the past couple of years, it's kind of become, I've become more comfortable with where I am vocally and yeah. I make myself sound, I think I sound feminine enough for me at least now. And that that's may all that change. matters. That may change. Like I, and Yeah, I it may. I mentioned last time, you know, now that I'm, I'm looking at graduate school and I'm speaking in public more, yeah, I may start to work on feminizing my voice more maybe actually go to a, a therapist but right for now at least i'm pretty pretty pleased with where i am you know there's always room for improvement but you know it's 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 a good voice i like it sure and i do want to throw in just to mention to the folks out there that there's an app for the iphone that i used i think uh -huh. it's also available on android phones but i'm not sure that my speech therapist recommended it it's called SingScope, and Ooh. it's free and when you record it will record your pitch, which is how I knew I was averaging at an A3. And you can see where it goes up and you'll see where it goes down through the whole speech. And you can see what the average pitch is that you're hitting in the middle. And that was really helpful for me over and over again doing my practice because I could look at it and see, oh, I slipped on this word or, oh, I'm dropping the ends of my words instead of bringing them up. And so just being able to visualize that was really helpful. So definitely check that out if pitch work is something that you want to work on. Although speech therapy is more than that. For sure. It is much more than that. We spent the least amount of time on pitch, honestly, and it came pretty quickly compared to everything else. I can get my voice to where I want it to be, where it makes me happy to hear it. And that's something I never thought would even be possible, honestly. I owe my voice therapist so much, she helped me work a miracle. In fact, if it weren't for her, I would have never been able to turn my Trans Tuesdays into this podcast or to be able to record the audiobook of my book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix. It's available now. Woo! And if you listen to that audiobook, my second voice therapist gets a special thanks at the end because truly my ability to record my book in my own voice would not have existed without her. She made it all possible and she's the one I'm interviewing next week. A quick aside, but in my discharge note, it said I had 28 therapy sessions over a period of two years. That doesn't tell the whole story, uh, and it doesn't count the sessions with my first therapist. But also, that's just the time talking with the voice therapist in my training sessions. It doesn't at all show the hours upon hours upon hours I spent doing voice homework and practicing. Daily, every, every, every damn day, I'd do it in the bedroom with the door closed. I'd do it in the car when I was by myself and driving. I was always doing it. And I suspect those 28 sessions are something I wouldn't have been able to afford if it wasn't covered by my insurance. I know trans ladies who have insurance that doesn't cover it and they can't afford it and are just stuck. Or they use YouTube tutorials and do the best they can. But I do want to caution the danger with that is that it's very easy to hurt or even permanently damage your voice if you do the wrong things. And most of those tutorials are not from actual voice therapists. 
And that's not great. Voice therapy needs to be covered by insurance for trans people. But that's part of why I'm doing that interview next week, because hopefully she can give you tips on how to safely practice until you can hopefully see a licensed expert of your own. For many trans people, voice is a vital part of addressing and lessening our gender dysphoria, as much as HRT or anything else can be. My voice therapist is actually releasing a book on it with some of her colleagues, and you can bet that I will share it everywhere once it's out. So, Jillian, what is the end goal for you with your voice? When do you think you'll feel like it's not something you need to work on anymore? Do you think you'll hit that point at some point? Yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if I will ever hit that point, per mm-hmm. se, because, you know, biologically, you know, not just, you know, the the assigned gender at birth, but just, you know, some people's voices just are, are going to sound a little less like what they like. And, you know, yeah. as long as I sound good, you know, I'm never probably going to be entirely pleased with hearing a playback of my voice because, you know, I haven't before. Why would I start now? But it's still just to get it where I can get it good enough to sound like it matches me. Sure. You know, if it's, if it's a little low, that's, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. And just to be able to keep it really, that would probably, I would say be the ultimate goal is to be able to keep it for an extended period of time. You know, be able to speak for a half hour if I was teaching a class or something like that. Right. I didn't think I would ever get there. We're going to be talking about my own battle with stamina in just a minute. Yes. Yeah. But back to me, because this is my show. Yes. So what does it mean that I got discharged from voice therapy? I'm done and good and my voice will be perfect forever? Oh my, no, 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 no. It means there wasn't much else my voice therapist could do for me. She had taught me all the tools and techniques that she could. So it became a matter of me continually practicing until it's all second nature. And I used to wonder if it would ever happen. The good news is it did. I'm so excited and amazed by it. But it came after well over another year of daily practice after being discharged. So you're looking at over three years of constant daily work to get there. Stamina was the last thing to arrive. And even when it was mostly second nature, I just couldn't maintain it for a very long time. Now I mostly can, but it still adds up and can falter especially if I've talked an obscene amount. You can hear this in action on the podcast versions of the nine-part discussion on the trans allegory of Silo Season 1, which were episodes 36 to 44 of this show. We recorded all nine episodes in the span of two days, which took about three hours each day. But the day before we started recording, I ran one of my tabletop role-playing game sessions where I'm basically talking for something like four hours straight. Under that much strain, I think anyone's voice is going to falter and sound weird and tired, and mine certainly does, and you can easily hear it. But it caused me almost no dysphoria, even when so tired and strained. And I cannot tell you how huge that is. I don't like how it sounds. It doesn't sound like me, but it doesn't sound like him, you know? Yes. It's pretty amazing. And it's such a slow, slow process. And through the entire thing, you're hearing every mistake you make and have to fix because the best way to improve is to record yourself during practice and listen back. It's really hard to deal with, especially early on in the process when your voice still sounds mostly like your old dead voice. And so recording and listening back to yourself exacerbates your dysphoria. But you need to do it to be able to hear and correct where you messed up. So my forever homework was to record myself every day using SingScope playing each one back and listening to how I did before I went on to the next one. 
again and again and again, over and over and over, until I would maybe get to the day where I hit it right every time, all the time. A very big maybe. One of the hardest parts was not knowing if I'd ever get to where it made me happy to hear all the time. Because with the tools and techniques I have, my voice will keep changing over time. I don't know where it'll be a year from now or five years from now. There's a video with a transgender voice timeline my therapist shared with me in the linked show notes. You can listen to one trans woman's five years of difference in her voice. So while I'm actually really happy with where my voice is now, I may like it even more in the future, which is pretty damn exciting. And while it's all second nature now, for years it wasn't, and it was a struggle to remember everything I needed to. So I came up with my own little mnemonic device to help me remember every part of it, and I called it DISTURB, but it's spelled with an E. The D stands for diaphragmatic breathing. The I is for intonation. S is for slow down. T is for tongue positioning. E is for eifying your vowels. R is for resonance. And B is for breathiness. I can't really explain all of those to you here without making this episode way much longer than it already is. But the point is, these are all different skills, techniques, and issues I had to remember before talking. And hopefully, my speech therapist will be able to give you some tips on that next week. So imagine having to remember all of those things before you speak every time you speak. It's so much, it feels like your brain will melt. And then you're also trying to think of what to say and ha ha, it's so much fun. And notice pitch isn't in there anywhere. Those are all the much more difficult things that took me years to get to the point where they're second nature. Now I probably couldn't talk the way I used to if I tried. Actually though, I kind of accidentally did. We are big fans of what we do in the shadows over here. And before the show, there's a little title card and an announcer who in a very deep and kind of hilariously doesn't this sound evil voice says the title of the show and gives the content rating. And it's so weird and idiosyncratic and I don't know why, but once I just blurted out a mimic of the way the announcer says it in the same deep pitch. And not only did it emotionally feel terrible, it hurt. It physically hurt. My vocal folds and tongue and all those muscles that contribute to making sound have changed enough from my years of practice that now undoing it is as painful as trying to sound more feminine used to be when I was pushing things too hard. It is a really strange and fascinating thing. I mean, you blurt out things all the time. Well, yes. That's not unusual. Okay. <laughs> Listen. Well, Jillian, you talked a little bit about this before, but I wanted to ask if you feel there's a big difference between how you sound now and how you used to, and if you have tried going back to the way you used to talk at all, what that was like. Yeah, and the further away I get from it, it does feel like it gets a little harder to come yeah. back to my old voice. One thing is on some of the podcasts I did voice acting for, I have reprised a couple of roles I had pre-transition. Yeah. And so it is a little different to come back from, what, especially one of the voices is, is a lot lower than, than my voice now. And so it, I always have to worry it a little, is it exactly right? And then I realize it, it doesn't matter necessarily if it's exactly where it was before. Yeah. Everybody's voice changes. You hear it all the time with with show with long running shows. You know, like Darth yep. Vader doesn't sound anything like he did fifty years ago when he did the first oh god, that's fifty years. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> but the point being, James Earl Jones does not sound anything like he did back then as he does yeah. now. And that's okay. You know, it's it's all about, you know, 
where you are and you know people won't really remember like i said not everybody has copies of their voice floating around out there in the universe forever and ever and yeah. so you know they don't have that reference point but you know what if if they do and, and you try to go have to go back to that for whatever reason it's not ideal but you know it is sometimes necessary and it it's it's gotten a lot harder yes but yeah. you know, I I I don't necessarily mind it for short term. If I had to do it long term, I, I would probably go insane. But you know, for for short term, that's fine. It's it's fun to go back and visit sometimes for me at least, because I know I don't have to stay there. Right. Yeah. The thing about it is like, what my speech therapist had said to me, and why stamina takes so long, is because speaking so differently, you're using muscles that you haven't used before because you didn't speak that way. And like any muscle, when you are training it up, it's going to start off weak and you can't just jump right into lifting the heaviest weights. You have to work up. And that's exactly how the stamina was for me. It slowly came over time as you built more and more strength by doing it more and more often. But that, that was the really surprising thing for me is how much it hurt to go back because now those muscles, my vocal folds and everything else in there have reshaped due to the way I talk now and have been for years. And so going back the other way, I'd have to build up the stamina to do that again, and I don't want to. So, but as as Jillian just mentioned, and I think most of you listening probably know, but in case you don't, Susan and I run one of the oldest and biggest podcasting companies, Pendant Productions. We've been making scripted podcasts longer than just about anyone, and they're really freaking good too, but you don't have to take my word for it. They're on every podcasting service except Transphobic Spotify, and you could also find them all at PendantAudio.com. So you can go listen. But my dead voice is in a lot of them. But anyway, I only mention that to say that there are tons of recordings of my voice through the years. And I can't do anything about them. They're just going to be that way forever, even if I don't listen to them again. But it led to a very unique opportunity. Ever since we started our company, way back before the flood of media that made it impossible to keep up with everything... I still felt that people choosing to spend their time listening to our shows meant something important. And so I wanted to personally thank them at the end of every episode. That means there are probably 500 plus episodes across 20 shows out there right now that have a thanks for me at the end. And I've always said the exact same thing. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. I even say it at the end of this show. If you've ever stuck around for the credits and the little Easter egg that Jillian sometimes dropped at the very, very, very <laughs> end, you've heard me say it. But for some reason, and I honestly do not know why, I kept every new version that I ever recorded. And as my voice began changing through voice therapy, I'd record a new one because it sounded better to me than my old voice, even if it didn't yet sound great. And so I stitched them all together and you can hear me saying the exact same thing over time as I progress through voice therapy, which helps you really notice the different ways my voice changed and evolved as I learned and practiced more. My voice therapist listened to this and said she could actually pinpoint exactly what techniques we were working on during each recording because the sounds are that specific to the process. Most of these spike my dysphoria really bad, especially the first one with my old quote-unquote normal dead voice. And if I never hear it again, it'll be too soon. So have a listen. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.
For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, in order, you heard my dead voice. Four months into therapy, eight months into therapy, eight and a half months into therapy, and nine months into therapy, 18 months into therapy, two years into therapy, which was September of 2022, and then March of 2023, which is basically my voice where it's at now. So Jillian, you talked about this a little bit about your old voice being in those old shows, but does it make you feel weird to hear it now? Not not too often. Um, I, I, so I've had people ask me before because a lot of, I've voiced a lot of things for the radio station I used to work for as well. Yeah. And those still get played regularly. And, you know, by the time I left, I, I was already transitioning and, you know, I knew, I knew those would be out there forever. And yeah. to me, I don't, I don't necessarily mind it. I have to separate that to, that it's almost like I was playing a character for 40 summit years. And yeah. So it's, it's me, but it's not me. And so right. I just, you have to separate the, the voice from who you are now in a lot of cases. And, you know, some people can do that better than others. Yeah. Well, I think, I think maybe there's something to what you're saying because, you know, we weren't really us back then. Right. And so it's not like it's actually our voice, but it was <laughs> us speaking and. Right. It's so weird and complicated. Yeah, it is. And for, for me, for me, especially when I know I have to talk to a lot of people, a lot yeah. of times just mentally for me to cope with it and not get anxiety, I have to become a character almost, or at least sure. mentally, you know, not necessarily be my self self. I have to be public speaking self or I have to be radio self or I have to be right, audio drama right. self. So yeah, it's it, it that I've been thinking about that way for a long time. So that may be why it's easier for me to make that separation than it might be for some other people. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that has been my voice journey so far. Maybe I'll do another update in a year whenever I notice things have noticeably changed in some way again. And I'm so curious to know what I'm going to sound like a year from now or two years or five years from now. And please, please be sure to come back for next week's episode and the interview with my speech pathologist. I really hope she can go more into the science behind it and provide safe tips for people to practice and work on your own. Thanks for being here, Jillian. My pleasure. Sykes being on this side. And I want to say to the trans folks out there who find this as daunting as I did, change is possible. It may be the most difficult thing you've ever had to do. It was for me. But if you put in the time and the effort, remarkable things can happen. It's so hard to be patient, but you can't rush voice changes or HRT or anything involved with transitioning, really. Every single part of it is an exercise in patience. Be kind to yourself and don't give up. You can get there. You're worth it. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Julian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. 
You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at Tilly Bridges at Mastodon.social, at Facebook.com slash Tilly S. Bridges, and on Insta at Heck Yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me on most of the social media platforms as at audio. Uh, fix that, Jillian. <laughs> hey, don't it, boss around my audio editor. Hey. I, I will boss around her because her is me and I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs>